I'm afraid I'm going to get up one of these times and do this and somebody's still praying that I missed, but just throw something at me if that's the case. All right. <laughs> Don't mean to be rude. All right. Acts chapter 20. We have, we're uh, getting closer to the end of, of Paul's third missionary journey in um, really winding down the, uh, the circuit that, that Paul had made. All of his missionary journeys, he pretty much went to the same place each journey and went back to the same churches to help build them up to uh, uh, help sort out any doctrinal issues they might have, to, uh, you know, guard against the, the wolves that were coming in and, and trying to take care of all of that. And, <clears throat> and so he kept going back to those same churches and visiting them. And, and I'm certain that he would have uh, had a, just a really good relationship with, with the bodies of believers in each one of those uh, cities that they had gone into. And one of the things that you have to re remember and realize is that <clears throat> during this time that these, uh, the, the believers were, were persecuted and uh, the Jews did not like them at all. And then like in Ephesus, we know that even the idolizers didn't like them at all either because they led them away from, from uh, worshiping their idols. And, and so uh, it, it wasn't a church like what we have today. <clears throat> and so most of these would uh, be a small group of believers in a certain area of the city. They would come together and they would meet in their home or they would meet somewhere secluded, somewhere isolated where uh, no one would see them, where they could hide and they could worship <clears throat> and they could do so that way but uh, to, to avoid being uh, persecuted. And so in, in one city, <clears throat> you may have 20 churches. And, but when Paul would, would write to the church at Ephesus, he was, he was writing to all of them. And so, but in, in a generality speaking, the church at Ephesus was actually 20 churches in Ephesus or however many might have been in that city during the time. And some of those cities were, were quite large, and so there would have been more bodies of believers all throughout the, the uh, community. And so with those, then you also have, uh, you know, one pastor may have gone to two or three of those groups and, and pastored that group, and then another group, there was another guy over here that pastored, and there was another guy over here that pastored and and so what we get to is now we we've come to the point where uh, Paul is headed back <clears throat> and he didn't stop in Ephesus and I'm sure he didn't stop at Ephesus because uh, he was afraid that that if he got there the people would keep him and or uh, whether it be that they would keep him or whether he knew that there was still a lot of issues there in Ephesus because you re recall he had to leave out of there and they were looking to kill him at that time and so he didn't want to go back into Ephesus because he was afraid he wouldn't make it back to the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem in time to, to give the believers there in Jerusalem 
um, their, their offering that he had been collecting. And so he decided not to do that, and he uh, landed on the island or, or into the area of Miletus, and it was there that, that uh, he called upon the leaders of the church in Ephesus. And the reason I give you all of that description earlier is because as a Baptist church, and, and not just as a Baptist church, but as a, as a Bible believer, I do see in the Scripture that, that there are two offices in the church. There's the office of the pastor, there's the office of the deacons. And there, there are many that have, have gone to a, 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 a different type of polity and, and uh, self-governing in which they also want to add a board of elders uh, along the way. I just don't see it. I, I, and, and it's not there, and they want to try to make something there because what we're going to see is that he tells us in verse 17, and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And so the elders is, is the idea of a, of a position of respect. And, and so it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they were old, but they were definitely in a position of respect. And the reason I say that it doesn't necessarily talk about their age, you can remember when, when Paul was writing to Timothy, and, and uh, uh, he, he told Timothy there that, um, in my own words, don't, don't let them disrespect you because you're young. And so uh, telling them uh, that they still needed to listen to Timothy because he was called into the ministry and, and needed to do uh, what God had called him to do. And so in this case, we see this dealing with those that were in a position of respect. And uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't really want to get bogged down in it. But um, as our church always have, always will be, two offices: deacons and pastor. And so we might have an assistant pastor, associate pastor, like we do with Wes, to help take care of the the uh, the ministry and and dealing with all of the things that we deal with as we grow. We may add more to that. Uh, but we, I just don't see that there ever needs to be a board of elders. I don't believe that it's biblical, and we'll see why in a moment. So here we see that elders are the position of, of respect, and, and uh, so then we go on. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. And so now... We're seeing what he's getting ready to deal with in this passage through the rest of this chapter, actually. is a, You can almost see it's the heartbeat of Paul in the encouraging the leaders of those churches. And it's very heartfelt and very personable in what he's writing. And here, first of all, he wants to remind them that as, he came, as they were come to him, he said unto them, you know, from the first day that I came into Asia, from the very point that I met up with you and you know everything about me, after what manner I have been, after who I am, you have seen who I am with you at all seasons. I, I, I don't believe that, that Paul went in with, with uh, uh, you know, he, he didn't have any idea of, of going in and putting on any kind of a show whatsoever Paul was Paul, and he, and he preached, and he taught, and he loved the people, and he was who he was, and, and he didn't hide anything from them, and, and, and I believe that that's the way that we ought to be. I, 
I uh, was talking to Dylan Sunday after he after he preached and sent uh, uh, in Sunday school. And if you remember the testimony, his wife had told him, "Dylan, just be you." Well, that is exactly what we need to be. We we need to uh, we don't need to put on some facade or or put on any air at all. We just need to be who we are. And and here I believe that Paul was exactly that. And he said, and you've, you've been with me through all the seasons, you know, in the two and a half years and, and the other times that he's been there and met with them, you know who I am. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. And so here, a, a lowliness of mind, a, a modesty, a, a realization that, that we, we really do know who we are and how bad we can be. And and here, Paul, knowing that and understanding that, and, and here, uh, serving the Lord with a humility of mind and with many tears. Oh, I, can, I can only imagine the, the heartache that he must have had. I, I, when, you, when you read some of these letters, remember when we went through Galatians, and then whenever you read 1 Corinthians, and, and you find that here was Paul that, that went in there and, and led many of these people to Christ, and and was helping them to grow, and, and I'm sure he stayed in some of their homes and ate meals with them and, and divested a lot of time in, in these people's lives during this. And then, then like Galatians, the, the wolves that came in and, and started telling them that you don't need to believe Paul, that, that he's only after a, a reputation and he's, or he's after your money or what, whatever else that, that they might have been saying about him. And, and some of those that he considered true friends had turned their backs on him. And so he served with many tears. And I'm sure he served with many tears in, in hearing about uh, uh, those that, that uh, had been persecuted and lost their homes and their jobs and, and had given stories of, of what had taken place. And, and so here he, he served with humility of mind and served with many tears and temptations. And, and temptations are not necessarily bad. The, the temptations we get from our eyes, the temptations we get uh, from our flesh, and the temptations that Satan throws at us are, are not good. But there are also trials and there are testings that God puts in our way to, to strengthen us and to help us grow and learn and know more about uh, who we are and, and what it is that we need to do better in our lives. And, and, and those trials come to, and, and those are the trials that really teach us something. Experience really seems to be the best teacher, doesn't it? And so here we see the temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews and, and, and uh, knowing that there were many that were seeking his life and, and how he kept, nothing, kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. He preached and taught them everything that he knew and tried to help them in every way that he can and, and, and could at the time, and, and, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. And so here he went into, we know so often he went into the synagogues and it was there that, that he taught and it was there that he got in trouble with the Jews. And so then he'd go out on the plazas and he would preach out there and teach out there and then he'd get in trouble with the, with the Gentiles of the day and, and the idol worshipers of that time. And so then he'd also go into their homes and go house to house and teaching them the word of God and, and uh, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord 
Jesus Christ. Uh, when you think about salvation, is that not? I mean, we, we do need to repent of our sins. We need to, we need to realize that, that uh, what's going on in our lives and in a, in a life that's reeking with sin, that, that we need to do something about our sin. We need to get sick of our sin, and we need to want to walk away from our sin, and we want to get rid of our sin. And, and, and so we want to repent from our sin and get away from our sin. Now, obviously, we want to do that, but... But to, to the realization then comes that, that the only way that we're ever going to do that is through God and, and through His Savior, Jesus Christ. And so you also have a change of mind about who God is. And, and God isn't just someone that, that everybody else is talking about. God isn't someone that's some being that can never be approached. And God isn't the, the uh, old man upstairs or whatever else the world wants to refer to him as. But God is God, and, and He's your Creator, and and, he, and He's our Creator, and He's also holy, and He's just, and He's and He's blameless in all areas, and perfect in all ways, and and so you change your mind about who God is, and knowing that you're going to be judged of your sin by a holy and just God, knowing that now you're starting to realize that your sin is in and it's your unbelief in in the one that that can save you of this that that you start changing your mind about not only your sin, but about God, and also about who Jesus is. And then you turn towards Jesus Christ, and you trust Him. And you trust Him as your Savior, and it's something that truly changes your world. It changes your life. It, it, it changes everything about you. You have a purpose in your life that you never had before. And, and Paul was saying, look, I came testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks. And what is it that I taught them? But repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ and, and a change of mind. And then your faith being totally trusting upon Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. And here I'm sure, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Look, I, 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 don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that that's where God wants me to go. And, and I'm not sure of what's going to happen, but, but I'm bound by the Spirit to do so. My own spirit and, and my own heart is wanting to go back. And, and, and the calling of God is obviously pulling me back. And, and, and then he goes on, "...save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city." The Holy Spirit is, has been speaking to me in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Everywhere I go, people are telling me, good brothers in Christ are telling me, Paul, if you go back, all there's going to be are bonds and affliction. Paul, if you go back, you're going to be bound. You're, you're going to lose your life. There, there's nothing good going to come of that at all in your life. And, and so here he says, I don't know what's going to happen, but it seems that the Holy Spirit's telling me that these things are going to, to happen to me. But then this, this is amazing about his, his, his character and his extraordinary courage. But none of these things move me. They're not going to dissuade me. They're not going to keep me from doing what it is that I need to do. But I'm still going to do what it is that I need to do. You know, what, what is that? Um, courage. Courage is saddling up and riding anyway, even though you're afraid. That's courage. I, I mean, we can still be afraid. 
I mean, there were times where we've already seen where God went to Paul and, and, and when he was at Ephesus and said, Paul, don't be afraid. It'll be okay. I'm with you. Keep doing what it is that, that you need to do. And, and what we have recorded I, is, is exactly what God wanted us to have, but, but there's a whole part of that story that, that you get from other places too. And, and if you recall, Paul even uh, called those, those men that were trying to kill him in Ephesus, he compared them to beasts. I mean, they must have been vilely wicked in the way that they were treating him and going after him and, and trying to destroy him and, and calling them beasts of the day. And, and, and here he is, uh, afraid during that time. God said, hey, don't be afraid. And then here he is, he keeps moving, and they see, Paul, if you go back to Jerusalem, there's going to be bonds and afflictions, and, but it doesn't matter. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. I, I don't count it to be valuable or highly esteemed or even precious. I just want to do what God wants me to do. And that's what he says. I count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. You know that you know what he just that this this junk that and it is junk that we hear all all day long about self-love, I mean, Paul just told us something totally different. Now, we, we are always seeming like we got to build everybody's self-esteem or, or I, I, I don't know. We, we have to get to the point where you find your purpose and, and you find your, your being and you find who you are in Christ, in Christ. We are weak. We, we are selfish. We are, we, we are everything bad in this world. That's what we are in this flesh. And, and we, we think that we have to have all of this self-love to make ourselves seem valuable. Look, you are valuable in God's eyes, valuable enough that he sent his only son to die on the cross so that you could spend an eternity with him in his presence. I mean, you are very valuable, and, and so you need to find your worth and your value in Jesus and in God and, and quit listening to this junk that's out there. The humanistic philosophy of the day is something that we have to get way past in our lives. And we need to find our value is in Jesus. And, and here he said, I count, I, I, uh, neither count I my life dear unto myself. And the reason being is, is I'll get in the way. And, and I just need to do what it is that God's called me to do so that I might finish my course. I can complete and I can accomplish my course. And the course also has the idea of, of a race. And he says, I'm in a race. And I'm not going to stop until the day that I quit breathing. Until then, I'm in a race and I need to keep after it. <clears throat> and so do we. And finish my course with joy. With delight in, in serving Him. And so finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Look, whatever comes, 
and it's probably going to be bonds and afflictions. The Holy Spirit keeps telling me this. Every time I go into the next city, somebody's telling me these things, and, and, and I'm not sure, but that's probably what's going to happen, but it's okay. I, I don't count my life to be precious and valuable in my own eyes. All I know is that I need to do what it is that God's called me to do, and I want to finish my course, and I, and I want to finish it with joy, and I want to finish the ministry that God has placed in my life and, and, and given to me, and and called me to do, and that is exactly what I want to do in my life. Oh, how focused he was, and how focused we also need to be. And now behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. I know more than likely that I'm probably not going to see any of you again. Wherefore, I take you to record, I testify to you this day, that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I haven't withdrawn any of this. I've done my best to tell you the truth. I've done my best to tell every person that I run into that will sit and listen to me. I've tried to present them the gospel of Christ. I have done everything that I possibly can to help someone to understand the gospel and then to grow and, and to be what it is that God wants, me, wants you to be. And I haven't withheld any of that. And so, you know what? We're just going to stop, <clears throat> okay? We'll finish this up next week. And here we'll see where, where I, what you're going to see is he talked about the elders in verse 17, and now he talks about them again and the and the uh, the priority of their ministry and what it is that they need to be doing, and all three of those refer to the same man. And I can show you in some other uh, passages of scripture also that shows us with that shows us that it's talking about the one man and, and uh, being an overseer and being a pastor and uh, also being an elder of the church. And so, but here we see that he's finishing it up. And we're going to see the last few parting words that he has. And, and in this, he's going to give them the warning of how they ought to walk and what they ought to be doing. And uh, we'll, we'll just save on to that. I don't want to rush it, and we'll probably go over. Rather let you out early tonight, and then we can come back next week. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray your blessings upon it. pray that you will guide us and direct us through this evening. Bring us back when the doors are open. Use us, Lord, to... Be a witness to those around. Help us to look for those opportunities and, and uh, to be used by you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask that you bless in Jesus' name. Amen.